98K News. Good afternoon, it's one o'clock, I'm Todd Harding. The headlines, Executive Councillor Ronnie Tong says the government's extradition bill could be improved. A US Congressional Committee report warns the proposed extradition amendments will further erode the SAR's autonomy. And the Public Accounts Committee takes a swipe at the Centre for Food Safety over food imports. Executive Councillor Ronnie Tong says there's room for improvement in the government's extradition bill to ensure a fair trial. He disagreed that the government wasn't interested in alternative ideas, despite the Secretaries for Security and Justice yesterday dismissing other suggestions as impractical. If passed, the government's bill would allow for fugitives to be sent to jurisdictions which have no formal extradition deal with Hong Kong. Mr Tong said there was room for more rational discussion. It is the responsibility of a responsible government to explain its position to the community, particularly in relation to such a controversial topic. And, and I think that to the extent that the government no longer tries to hide behind the Bill's Committee is a good thing. But obviously uh, the community needs to try to understand the complexity of the issue and uh, I hope that there will be more rational discussion on the topic. Meanwhile, a U.S. congressional committee has warned that America may have to re-examine its extradition treaty with Hong Kong if the SAR amends laws that would allow fugitives to be transferred to the mainland. It says the proposed laws threaten U.S. national security, as Damon Pang reports. The report warns that the proposed changes will further erode Hong Kong's autonomy and increase its susceptibility to what it calls Beijing's political coercion. The U.S.-China Economic and Security Review Commission said it could also create serious risks for U.S. national security and economic interests in Hong Kong. It said the U.S. Navy could consider alternative ports other than the SAR because the new laws would increase the risk of rendition for its military personnel. It also said the new laws could violate key provisions of the U.S.-Hong Kong Policy Act, which allows the U.S. to treat Hong Kong as a separate trade area to the mainland. LegCo's Public Accounts Committee, or PAC, has criticised the body responsible for ensuring food imports are safe. It was following up on an auditor report that found deficiencies in the operations of the Centre for Food Safety. The PAC expressed grave dismay and said it was unacceptable that staff had failed to follow established guidelines and practice. Abraham Sheck is the committee chairman. In one serious case, which is still under investigation by CFS, Audit Commission revealed that in five inspections on food samples imported by air, the food samples were pre-selected for radiation tests by importers. This is contrary to the guideline that the sample should be randomly selected by the CFS staff. The Housing Department is planning to build new public flats on four plots of Greenbelt land in Chongquan O. Two of the sites are next to Hong Kong Movie City and Clearwater Bay Film Studio. The other two are on Yaoyue One Village Road and Chushun Road. The estates will provide more than 8,000 flats, housing almost 23,000 people. The rezoning of Greenbelt land for housing has been contentious, with warnings on damage to the ecology and environment. The Saikung District Council is scheduled to discuss the projects next Wednesday. Turning overseas, the American Secretary of State has visited Iraq to explain U.S. security concerns amid a rising Iranian activity in the region. Iran's foreign minister has dismissed claims that Iranian forces are preparing to attack U.S. troops there. But in recent days, Washington has deployed an aircraft carrier and B-52 bombers to the Middle East. Here's the BBC's Peter Bowes. 
The unannounced trip took place after nightfall and under heavy security. Mr Pompeo said the purpose of the visit was to meet Iraq's leadership and to show them what he said was US support for a sovereign, independent Iraq free from the influence of neighbouring Iran. He refused to elaborate on the nature of the threat he'd earlier described as an escalation in activities by Iran. But he stressed that any attack by Iran or its proxies on American forces in Iraq would affect the Iraqi government too. The Iraqi Prime Minister said the country took its responsibility to protect U.S. interests from attacks by Iran seriously. Georgia has become the sixth U.S. state to ban abortion after six weeks of pregnancy. It's the point when a fetal heartbeat can be detected, though a woman may not be aware that she's pregnant. Georgia's governor is the Republican Brian Kemp. The Life Act is very simple, but also very powerful. A declaration that all life has value, that all life matters and that all life is worthy of protection. I understand, like the others have said, that some oppose this legislation. I realize that some may challenge it in the court of law, but our job is to do what is right, not what is easy. Civil rights groups say the law runs counter to long-standing Supreme Court precedent and that they'll mount a legal challenge. Stacy Fox is the president of Atlanta's Planned Parenthood. Today, Georgia has joined this race to the bottom, the bottom when it comes to access to health care, the bottom when it comes to standing up for those who need us the most. I have one message for Governor Kemp. We will see you, sir, in court. An 18-year-old student has been shot dead and at least seven others wounded at a school in the American state of Colorado. Police have arrested two male pupils in a suburb of Denver. The local sheriff is Tony Spurlock. We currently have two suspects in custody. I'm not releasing their names at this point. Uh, we're verifying their age. We believe we have one adult male and one juvenile male. We do have eight students that are in area hospitals right now. Uh, several of them are in critical condition. The father of one wounded pupil said one of the gunmen pulled a pistol out of a guitar case and started firing. The school is located only eight kilometres from Columbine High School, where two pupils killed 13 people in one of America's deadliest school shootings. The leader of an American self-empowerment group and alleged sex cult, Nexium, has gone on trial in New York on charges of racketeering, forced labour and sex trafficking. Keith Ranier was detained as part of an FBI investigation into the group, in which some female followers were allegedly coerced into having sex with him, treated as slaves and branded. The BBC's Nada Tofik was in court. This was a really important day in court where the prosecution and defense had their opening statements, where they're able to frame their case. Now, federal prosecutors told the jury that Keith Rainier had really sold himself as someone who was very ethical. He compared himself to the likes of Einstein and Gandhi. But they said, in fact, he used his power to prey on young women, that he abused them emotionally and physically by basically promising them wealth, money, power. And then exploiting them. Representatives from Botswana, Namibia, South Africa and Zimbabwe are calling for the ban on the sale of ivory to be lifted. They argue that money from the trade can be used for conservation projects. They were speaking at a summit designed to draw up a common policy on the management of elephants. President Masisi of Botswana said their impact on communities should not be underestimated. Conflict between elephants and people is on the rise as the demand for land for agriculture and settlement is growing. 
Last week, a citizen was sadly killed by an elephant. Furthermore, the increasing prolonged drought spells in our region are placing even more pressure on our fragile ecosystems. Brazil's President Jair Bolsonaro has signed a decree easing restrictions on gun imports and ownership. It's part of his policy to tackle Brazil's high crime rate. Here's the BBC's Candice Piet. The new decree is clearly aimed at Brazil's gun collectors, marksmen and hunters. Gun associations were key backers in Mr Bolsonaro's election campaign. Restrictions have been eased on importing arms and gun owners will be able to purchase more ammunition. There are also new rules making it easier to hold multiple weapons. Security experts say the decree is one step away from freeing up gun ownership altogether. It benefits one small group and does little to create a cohesive public security policy to tackle Brazil's soaring crime rates. The authorities in Germany have fined the carmaker Porsche, part of the Volkswagen Group, nearly 600 million US dollars over the diesel emissions scandal. Public prosecutors in Stuttgart said it had been negligent from 2009 in ensuring nitrogen oxide emissions didn't breach regulations. Here's the BBC's Damien McGuinness in Berlin. They've said that they will accept this fine, so they're not appealing. They've also said that they're going to hopefully move on from the scandal. They say this ruling will be, in their words, the next step in ending the diesel topic, is how they put it. But that's really not going to happen because there are still other investigations going on to individual employees at Porsche. Also, there are various investigations still going on and charges have been submitted against other brands within the VW group. One of the most famous paintings by the Dutch master Johannes Vermeer is about to be shown to the public in a new light. Restorers in Germany have partially revealed a secret in the 17th century girl reading a letter at an open window. The BBC's Jenny Hill explains. Today, experts in Dresden unveiled what they acknowledge is a completely new picture. Where once varnish yellowed the canvas, Vermeer's warm colours now light up the room. But the most significant change is the addition of a large painting within the painting. Vermeer originally put a portrait of a cupid on the wall behind his reading girl to imply that her letter was of an amorous nature. X-rays revealed the figure some decades ago, but it was always assumed that Vermeer himself had painted it over. But when the team in Dresden analysed layers of pigment, they discovered it could only have been done after his death. A missing piece of one of the giant stones that make up Stonehenge has been returned 60 years after it was taken from the ancient monument. A one-metre-long core was removed from one of the huge sarsen stones at the site to allow a stabilising metal rod to be inserted. One of those involved in the work, Robert Phillips, kept the core. Here's the BBC's Rebecca Jones. Back in the 1950s, he'd been employed by a diamond-cutting firm brought in to help reinforce the giant stones. They bored holes into three of them before stabilising metal rods were inserted and in the process they extracted three metre-long cores of stone. Robert Phillips took one of them. But now, on the eve of his 90th birthday, he's given it back. Archaeologists hope to analyse the chemical composition of the core to try to pinpoint where the ancient sarsen stones might have come from. To finance news, a short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 29,169. That's 197 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $57 billion. To currencies, the US dollar is trading at 109.93 yen. The euro is standing at 1 US dollar and 12 cents. And the pound's worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 26 cents. And with the sports news, here's Adam Chung.
We start with football and a night to remember at Anfield. The greatest European comeback ever. Liverpool have reached the Champions League final for the second year in a row after producing one of football's greatest comebacks. 3-0 down to Barcelona after the first leg in Spain last week, Divock Origi and Gini Wijnaldum each scored twice to put Liverpool through 4-3 on aggregate. Their win came 24 hours after they saw Manchester City move ahead of them in the race for the English Premier League title. The former England captain Alan Shearer praised Liverpool for the way they responded. To come out tonight after probably watching what happened to them last night and that, that must have been a right kick in the teeth for them last night with that late goal and they're thinking you know what we're probably not going to win the league now so to put all that to one side and to come out and have that attitude the right attitude that never say die attitude and do what they did tonight uh, it's incredible Liverpool will play Tottenham or Ajax in the final in Madrid on June 2nd Spurs and Ajax play their semi-final second leg in Amsterdam tonight with the Dutch side holding a 1-0 advantage from the first leg. Spurs boss Maurizio Pochettino says defender Jan Vertonghen could make his return. Vertonghen suffered a head injury during last week's home leg defeat. He trained on Tuesday wearing a face mask to protect his nose, which was injured in a clash of heads with a teammate. He didn't suffer a... Nothing wrong more than he cutting his nose. It's no more than than that. It's a lot of players playing, play and keep playing with the same situation. It wasn't a big issue. If tomorrow is fit and we believe that uh, that we want to give the possibility to play, I think he's ready to play. It's not a problem. The Toronto Raptors are one win away from reaching the NBA's Eastern Conference final after they demolished the Philadelphia 76ers 125-89 to take a 3-2 series lead. All five Toronto starters scored in double digit, led by Pascal Siakam's 25 points. Philly must win to stay alive when they host Game 6 Friday morning Hong Kong time. And on the ice, the St. Louis Blues are back in the NHL's Western Conference final for the first time in three years. They outlasted the Dallas Stars by winning Game 7 at home in double overtime. Patrick Maroon tapped the puck into the net five minutes into the second extra frame to give St. Louis a 2-1 win. Tomorrow, the San Jose Sharks host the Colorado Avalanche. The winner of that Game 7 moves on to face the Blues. And that's your look at sports. Thanks, Adam. And that's the news in sports from RTHK.
get